Welcome to the Oasis Church Podcast. We're so excited that you join us today. And wherever you're listening from or whenever you're listening to this, we hope that you are encouraged. And if you ever want to join us in person, you can always join us at 10 a.m. at 197 Imperial Boulevard in Hendersonville, Tennessee. But we love you and we hope that you're encouraged today. start this uh, first of all I got a couple things I, I gotta say before we start first was that second thing is this is I want to say thank you on Sunday last Sunday everything on the student ministry wish list got bought except for one thing come on give God a hand give yourselves a hand We've been getting stuff in the mail, and if we haven't thanked you yet, it's because we haven't opened it. We were wanting to do like an unboxing on Facebook and Instagram Live of everything, and Ryan and Jess are sick, so we haven't been able to do that. So it's all arrived at our house. All right, if you got something off that, I want to say thank you. We don't know who you are yet because we haven't been able to see. We know one thing because Stephanie opened up a box without yeah, without realizing it. So um, anyway, we got some, we got everything in, and uh, I just want to say thank you. You guys are amazing. Thank you for helping us launch with some strength um, into our student ministry. And a lot of that stuff was like not spiritual, but that's okay. Like a lot of kids don't come to student ministry for spiritual reasons. And so we want to be sure they have fun when they get there and uh, and everything. So thank you guys. Y'all give yourselves one more hand before we get going. And before I get going today, I do typically, uh, my messages are very like, I try to at least, they're encouraging. I want you to be built up. Today is a little different. I'm going to push you. I'm going to challenge you a little bit. So I'm I'm taking uh, like friend Clint hat off. I'm putting Pastor Clint hat on, Coach Clint, whatever you, I'm not a coach, but that's just going to feel like that a little bit today because as I was praying about what to teach on, which I do often is that God, what do you want our people to know? And what, what can I, what can I share to help our people? Um, he brought this up to my mind. And so I I want you to know, I love you. It's not going to be as funny maybe as it typically is. I'm sorry. It'll be a little funny, but not, not, not like it normally is, but because I just want to convey the message that God's put on my heart. So will y'all let me do that today a little bit? All right, good. If not, I'm sorry. All right, here we go. I want to start off by saying this phrase. There's no place like this place anywhere near this place. There's no place like this place anywhere near this place. And I know what you're thinking. Like, there's a bajillion churches around here, Clint. What are you talking about? But there's no place like this place anywhere near this place. Why? Because there's no church that has you in it except for this church right now. Like, there's no place like this place. There's no place like church. Do y'all love church? Come on. I love church, man. I've been going to church. Yeah, come on. I love, and I'm not talking about Oasis. I'm just church. I like church. I was, I mean, I was in church nine months before I was born. I feel like I, we grew up in church. That was one thing that my mom and dad did great. They put us in church. We grew up in church. I love church. I love singing. I love people. Some of you introverts in here, like, I kind of like church, but there, there's people there, right? I love church. I'm extrovert. I like church. I like people. I like the messages. I like the lights. I like the music. I like church. I like the technology. I like the stuff in the, I like to know the behind. I want to know how the sausage is made. I love church. There's nothing like church on planet earth. There's no place like this place anywhere near this place. There's nothing like it. Church is amazing. It's one of the greatest organizations on planet earth. It is 2000 years old. How many companies are that old? 
the church isn't a company, but how many organizations are that old? It's went through countless attacks that's tried to take it down. I mean, people have attacked the church ever since it started. It's converted millions and millions, maybe even billions of people throughout its history. That's crazy. Think about that for a second. That's amazing. Uh, it's, it stepped up to serve countless communities across the globe. When disaster strikes, who is often the first to respond? The church. Who's there? The church. Who's serving when a tornado rips through your city? A lot of times it's the church, right? Who's giving out free meals in the parking lot? The church, right? Like that's just what we do. Millions of people are right now, as I'm speaking, meeting across the entire country, meeting across the globe, as I'm talking right now, that no, nothing can be said about that. Like Walmart has got nothing on the numbers of the church. The church, there's nothing like the church. And we get to be a part of what the church is doing every single Sunday. You're a part of something that is much bigger than you. Every single week. There's no place like this place anywhere near this place. The church started, it started 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost. So Jesus, he dies on the cross, he raises from the dead, he teaches a bunch of people in that time, and all of a sudden, the very last thing he does is says, hey, be sure this doesn't stay right here, but you're gonna spread this news out to everyone. And what does Jesus do? Jesus literally like flies away. He floats up into the clouds. Once he gets to the clouds, he disappears. And, and Jesus, he said, hey, be sure you just kind of hang on. The helper's coming. The day of Pentecost comes around. That's 50 days after Passover. The day of Pentecost comes around. And all of a sudden, they hear something. All the, the believers are in this upper room. They hear a wind. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit rests onto them. And Peter's one of the disciples who was one of the, he, he, he stuck his foot in his mouth all the time. He was a lot like me. All of a sudden, Peter gets filled with the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in languages that they don't normally speak in, but everyone can understand what they were saying. They get filled with the Holy Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, Peter gives the first message the church has ever heard. Here's what the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 41. It'll be on the screen right here. It says this, those who believed in what Peter said that day were bad, baptized and they were added to, what's that say? The church. And then here's how many people got added to the church that day. Next slide. About 3,000 people in one day went from not believing in Jesus and his resurrection and the life-changing power that Jesus brings. Peter preaches a message, and all of a sudden, that day, the church went from about 12 to 3,012, right there. Amazing. There's nothing like the church. And all of a sudden, that ignited something inside of believers that believed in Jesus across the globe. That it, it was almost like the world was like this dry forest and the Holy Spirit dropped and that day happened and someone lit a match and all of a sudden, I mean, it just caught a blaze right there. Then all of a sudden, a guy named Paul, y'all say Paul. Y'all know Paul. Paul wrote over half the New Testament. He was famous for killing Christians. He got converted. And now these Christ followers were taking someone that was once an enemy, once a person that was feared, that they couldn't stand to be around. All of a sudden, they were training this guy. And this guy, he starts a journey like you wouldn't believe. He's starting churches. He's correcting theology by writing these letters. God changed his life. And he would be 
the most influential Christian leader that's ever lived. And we're not obviously talking about Jesus because Jesus wasn't a Christian, all right? He was Jesus. But he was the most influential Christian leader that's ever been, that we've ever seen. He would be responsible for writing over half the New Testament. Uh, He would start several churches and he would eventually be beheaded for his faith. He was doing all this in the face of an enemy, the government, that didn't like what he was doing. The religious people didn't like what he was doing. But nothing could stop the church because there's nothing like church. There's nothing like this place anywhere near this place. There's nothing like the church. Here's what the Bible said about the church later in Acts. It says, so the churches were strengthened in their faith and they grew larger every day. Not every Easter, not every Christmas, not every Sunday, every single day, the church was growing larger and larger, becoming more impactful, becoming more influential in a positive way. The church grew in their strength, in their faith, and they grew in number every single day. So my question is this. The church grew every day. There's nothing like it. People were meeting Jesus. They were experiencing the life-changing power of Jesus. It was growing every day. My question is this, why? Why was it growing every day? Like what did the church have that made it grow every day? And here's what I've been thinking. And I can tell you a few things that it was not because of. It was not because their worship team sang awesome songs. They didn't have Hillsong, Elevation, Chris Tomlin. No, no, it wasn't because of the awesome worship songs. They didn't grow because there was amazing lighting, like you're experiencing right now in this church. It wasn't because of that. It wasn't because their volume of their worship was just right. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't too loud. No, no, no. It, it wasn't because they had a dynamic communicator. The church wasn't growing because of the pastor of their church. In fact, we don't really read a lot of the names of the pastors of the churches that were started. Uh, it wasn't growing because the church building had a convenient location right, off, right in your neighborhood so you didn't have to drive very far. No, no, no. The, the church wasn't growing because of the parking situation. And Lord knows our church is not growing because of the parking situation. Although, we got a new sidewalk over here, everybody. Give God some praise for that. Come on. I love it. Our parking lot's going to get done. It was, it's it's going to happen in 30 days. That's what they told me when it first started. 30 days. The biggest lie ever right there. That wasn't the senior, the fault. It was the construction people. The church didn't grow because they had amazing coffee in the lobby. And here's the deal. I'm not opposed to any of these things. I love amazing worship. I love, I try to be a good dynamic speaker for you guys. I I love listening to those people. I love lighting. I love the lyrics. I love how the background looks. I love how it looks in the lobby. I love black press. And that's why we drink it every Sunday. Like I love all of these things, but those things don't make churches grow. That's not, the, that's not why this church in the early, in the, in when it first started was growing. No, no, no. The church was growing when it first started because it was filled with people who were all in for Jesus. It had nothing to do with the circumstances. In fact, they grew in spite of their circumstances. They were facing people like Nero, who would literally, earmuffs kids, would kill people and light them on fire to light the way into the city. That's what they were facing. And if they found out that, that you were a Christian, they would, they would, it would, that your life was at stake. 
So the church wasn't growing because of stuff. The church was growing because people were sold out. They fully bought in that Jesus really died for their sins and he really came back to life. And the Holy Spirit was literally changing people. And they knew that, man, my neighbor needs to hear this. My cousin needs to hear this. My husband needs to hear this. Man, my friend needs to hear this. Like, I have to do something. That's why the church grew. It had nothing to do with stuff. It had everything to do with people people being all in for the things of God. That's why the church grew. Today, church is no different. Churches don't grow because they're cool lighting. They don't grow. No, no, the churches grow because they come and experience the presence of God. We don't need this stuff. In fact, the sidewalk wasn't here on Friday. And we were thinking, well, we might be having like a simple church because we can't get our stuff in, right? And I was almost looking forward to it because of what we're talking about today. We don't need this. I love this. I think it makes it easier. But there are churches meeting right now, churches that Abu, remember Abu from last week was a part of? I mean, they're meeting in the middle, uh, they're, they're having to hide the fact that they're meeting. They're meeting in circumstances that if, if they found out their family would literally disown them and the militarized people in their area could kill them. We don't need, this is awesome. We don't need this. This is what makes church awesome and makes the church grow. It makes church comfortable. It makes church cool. It makes church relevant. But that doesn't, that's not what makes churches grow. And I was sitting here and I was thinking about this. First of all, I want to say this. Nothing has happened for me to talk about this today. I'm not like trying to passively aggressively like, is that passively, passive aggressively? That's what, that's right. There's not two LYs. Passive aggressively, I'm not trying to address a problem. That's not my style, okay? But I do want to address a couple problems that every person in this room, every person in church will face in America. So we're doing it. I think we're awesome. I love our church. I'm not complaining about our church, but I just felt like God wanted me to, to nudge us, to push us a little bit in this area. But as I was looking at this, there's two things that we all can fall into. Not one or the other. Sometimes some people fall in one camp and some people fall in the other. But a lot of times we fall, we fall in both of these camps. And the, I want to talk about these two things today just for a second. Is a lot of us, we fall either into comfortability or consumerism in the church. We fall into these two camps. And we get really comfortable and consumeristic when it comes to church. We saw this play out during the pandemic with a lot of churches in America. And they still haven't seen people come back to church. Why? Because when church became optional, man, people were like, I'm out. I'm not coming back. And they were like, man, I could just watch this guy on Facebook or this guy on YouTube. So why would I come in? And they're missing an essential part of their faith. And so because they're comfortable doing this at home. So let's talk about comfortability first. How many people in here right now have an iPhone or or an Android, and uh, your screen is cracked right now. Come on, how many? Raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. Ain't no thing in it. All right. Can I see one of your phones that has a cracked screen? Come here. Golly, I'm gonna, you're gonna make me take this one. He's got the Android. I might drop it and get you an iPhone. So the funny thing about a crack is right here. It's cracked. Can y'all see that? Not really. Okay. Well. Okay, sorry. I don't know how to work this phone. Uh, but it's cracked up here. It's, it's kind of like spidering down. The funny thing about having a cracked phone is this. I'll promise I'll give your phone back, Jordan. Um, 
is this, is when you first crack your phone, you're devastated. How many of you have ever dropped your phone face down and you like, it sounded different? And yeah, you're clutching your heart. You're like, oh Lord, please. I just got this phone. And all of a sudden you like do the slow, you're, you're, and then oh, you just like thank the Lord, right? Sometimes have, if you've ever cracked your screen before, it sounds different when it hits the ground. It's not the same sound. And you just, and you just know it cracks and all of a sudden you're, you're slowing, you're, you're turning around going, God, whatever miracle you need to do to fuse this glass back together needs to happen right now, right? And so you drop your phone and all of a sudden you look and your, your screen's cracked. And you're like, how can I live with this, right? And then you're like, okay, no big deal. People fix this stuff all the time. And so you get online and you're like, all right, how much is it to repair an iPhone screen? And you're like, I am not paying $400 to get my screen replaced. And so what do we do? We live with it. Right, like we, we look at it and one thing that like we really bothered us at first or like that really affected our experience, like you couldn't really watch stuff as well and then all of a sudden you start to get comfortable with having a cracked screen on your phone and you're like, you know what? I don't even see it anymore. Do you even notice the crack on your screen? Right, you noticed it at first because you paid a lot of money for this Android phone pay too much money for this Android phone, right? But you dropped it and all of a sudden what used to bother you because it gave you a lesser experience with your phone, you're now just living with going, you know what? It's too much money. I'm not willing to pay this much to have it fixed. I'm not willing to do what it takes to get this fixed. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just live with it. I'm gonna look past the screen. I, I can still see the screen. I can still type on it. It's really not that bad. And all of a sudden you start justifying everything. Like, you know what? It ain't a big deal. In two years, I'll get a new one anyway. Like, I think I can last a year and nine months on this. And I, as long as I don't drop it. And all of a sudden you start doing this stuff in your head while all the while you're having a lesser experience with your phone because you're not willing to do what it takes to get it fixed. Why? Because you're comfortable with the cracks. I think there's a lot of believers that come to church every single week that your phone is cracked, if you will. And you're comfortable having a, a lesser experience with God, a lesser experience with church because you've sat with it for too long and you start to get comfortable. You start to go, you know what? It's really not worth it if I invite this person to church. It's really not gonna be worth it if I serve. And I'm just gonna be comfortable. I'm not gonna do anything that's gonna make me feel uncomfortable. And you're living a lesser version of the Christian faith because you're not willing to get uncomfortable. You're not willing to do what it takes to reach the 93,000 people in our region that don't go to church anywhere. We're too comfortable sometimes. I'm talking to myself. It's easy to not invite the waitress when you go out to lunch on Sundays. It's easy to not mention where you go to church to your friends that are lost as a needle in a haystack. It's easy to not pray with that person in public when you know that they really need it. It's easy to not give. It's easy to just, it's comfortable. And the church didn't grow when it first started because people were comfortable. No, no, no. They were risking everything. Comfortability in the church in America is killing us. Here's what I would say. Comfort will cancel your calling. You have a calling on your life. And that calling for all of us is the same. We are to make disciples. We're to be, and we're going to talk about this in a second, fruitful but when you get comfortable, it cancels that calling on your life. 
When you decide I'm gonna get comfortable, you're, you're canceling the calling that God has on your life. And let me tell you, there's too much at stake. We can't fall into the comfort trap. So that's the first thing. First thing, comfortability. This prevents our church from growing, not just our church, the church from growing, especially in the Bible Belt. We gotten so comfortable. But we're gonna talk about that in a second. The second thing I wanna talk about is this, consumerism. Listen, I don't mind consumerism in, in, generally. But when it comes to the church, I mind it. Consumerism is this. I'm gonna just sit and consume and I'm not gonna contribute. You know what? That makes church all about you. And guess what? This church is not about you. This church is not only about you. This church is about, we wanna love you. We wanna meet you where you are. We wanna see you grow in your faith. But this church is for the empty seats of the people that aren't here yet, that have a spot where they can come and they can be a part of something. They could meet Jesus and they could see him change their life and change their marriage and change them as a parent, change them as a wife, change them as a husband. That's what we're looking for. This church does not only exist for you, it exists for the people that are not here yet. And a lot of times we could become consumeristic. Man, that music was too loud today. I didn't like that song. We did that song last week. Oh, I didn't, it's hot in there. Oh, the coffee wasn't really that good. Or hey, this, and all of a sudden it becomes all about you. And I don't blame you because that's what the world does. Everything in your life is geared toward how can I get you to buy something? And it's all consumeristic, right? Like it's getting pushed at you. But the church is not a church, this church is not a church full of consumers. We're gonna be a church full of contributors. Here's what I would say. Contributing cancels consumerism. And so if you can show up and you can serve and you can do something and you can be all in, that cancels this consumeristic mentality. And that's what we want for this church. And I'm so proud of our church. Y'all are like, dang, he's coming down on us. I'm not coming down. I'm proud of you guys. We make it happen. But here's the fact. A lot of people put in the work every week to make this happen. And there's always room for more. If you haven't jumped in and served yet, come on. What are you waiting on? Get in kids. Make a difference in, ki in these kids' life back here. They need it. Well, my kid's back there. Well, okay. I mean, uh, you spend every other hour with them. What's one more, right? Like, come on, let's, but we're, we're here for bigger than ourselves. Well, that's too early to come unload the container. Well, guess what? Joey wakes his butt up every single Sunday, by the way. I show up here at 645 because that's when we talked about showing up. Joey's been here since five this morning, unloaded the entire container by himself. That is having a contributor attitude right there. Come on, y'all give Joey a hand. I love that. And listen, we all pitch in and we tear down and we put it all up. I love that every week. But guess what? There's more to be done. There's more things we want to do that we can't do because we don't have enough people. There are more people serving out there that are like, hey, can y'all help find some people? And I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying. You know, we're trying to get. But if you haven't joined in and served, come on, serve. Get in there. Serve on our teams and give someone a break that's been serving forever since the church started, right? Like, let's be a part of this together. We have to fight comfortability. We have to fight consumerism. We have to fight that mentality. I think God wanted us to be reminded of that today. This is not a country club. This place, no, 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 we, we're a portable church. We sweat every week. I'm sweating right now. I've got this daggum, I'm, I'm willing fall in with my cardigan on, but it is hot right now. But we, we get to work. We do what it takes. Why? Because people matter and they need to see Jesus. And so here's what I want to, I want to do two more things today. 
I believe uh, God wanted me to give you three truths about growth. I think our church is about to enter into a growing season in the fall. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But I think God's going to enter us into a growing season. And I wanted to bring you a few truths about growing. And I mean like, yes, growing our church, growing the people that call Oasis their home. Not so that we can say, man, look at us, we're growing like great. No, 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 I don't give a rip about that. I want you to hear me right now. I don't care about our, the number of people that call us home unless it's about, man, we have, we're, we're reaching unchurched people and they're coming to know Jesus. That's how I want our church to grow. And you are around unchurched people every day. So here's three truths about church growth. First, if you are taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down because that's how you get to go to heaven, all right? So here we go. Number one, it is God's will for churches to grow. And some of us are like, what, really? Yeah, really. In fact, God is all about fruitfulness, by the way. He's all about, the first thing he tells man, he makes man, this is Genesis chapter one. He says this, go ahead and throw that up there. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and what? Multiply, grow, fill the earth, govern it. Like be fruitful and multiply. God likes fruitful things. He says this in John 15, five. He says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will what? Produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. God is all about fruitfulness. God is all about us producing fruit, not in our, just in our own lives, but also producing the fruit of the unchurched and telling them about Jesus, producing fruit. That's what he's about. Here's the deal. That fact that it's God's will for, for churches to grow, it's essential as long as heaven and hell are realities. And let me tell you, heaven and hell are realities. And listen to this, how full they are is determined by the church. How full heaven is, is determined by the church. How full hell is, is determined by the church. It's God's will that churches grow. Why? Because what we share matters. I don't believe you can be a successful Christian without being plugged into a church. That's not how God designed you to live. That's why literally from day one of the church, people have been coming to know Jesus and they've been plugged into a church. How full heaven and hell are, are is solely determined by the church. Jesus, in fact, I'm gonna share, this is kind of a lengthy scripture here, but I wanna share it. Matthew 25, starting in verse 14, he shares this story. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. So he's looking at these people going, hey, this dude ain't worth nothing, so I'm gonna give him one bag. This dude's pretty good, I'm gonna give him two bags. This dude's awesome, I'm gonna give him five bags, right? And then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money. He bought a lot of Bitcoin, all right? And uh, he invested his money and he earned five more. He doubled his money. That's pretty good, right? I mean, I'm not a business guy. That sounds, I'd be happy with that. The servant with two bags also went to work and he earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver, listen to this, this is just dumb right here. He dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. 
After a long time, their master returned from his trip and he called them to give an account for how they'd use his money. So he's like, I want my money back. What'd you do with it, right? The servant who he entrusted with five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful, y'all say faithful, in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's go celebrate together. He took him out to a little chippy dippy, right? The second one, the servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I've earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling the small amount. So now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Now you're invited to go to, to Rancho Cantina too. Come on, let's go. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, listen, he said, master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid. I didn't want to take the risk. I didn't want to get rejected and I I didn't want to lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Who says that? Just say, I dug a hole and put it in there. I don't know why he said that. He said, look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant, gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I would have gotten something on it, right? 0.2%, what's the uh, savings rate? I don't know, it's something like that, it's terrible. But at least I would have gotten something. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But those who do nothing, even with the little that they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into the, utter, or into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here's what I want you to remember today. Faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. God is very concerned with fruitfulness. What you produce as a Christian matters to God. And that, now I'm, I'm talking about you personally. What you produce as a Christian matters to God. And your faithfulness to God will naturally lead to your fruitfulness as well. So you have to understand that you have a responsibility as a Christ follower to be fruitful, not only in your own life, but also with the lives of others going, man, I'm here to impact this person. I'm going to invite them. If I'm not willing to share the gospel, with them, I'm going to invite them here and they're going to hear the gospel here, right? Like it's God's will for things to grow. It's God's will for the church to grow. It's God's will for Oasis Church to grow. That's the first truth. The second truth is this. Our growth potential is different than theirs. We can look at a million churches in our region and say, well, they're growing, they're doing this. Well, guess what? They're not doing what we're doing. And they're a lot older than we are. They might have different resources. And so we're not worried about what other people are doing, by the way, okay? I'm not here to accomplish the vision of another church. I'm here to accomplish the vision that God's given us for Oasis Church. And that's what we're gonna do. The Bible says this in Galatians 6, it says, pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else for we each are responsible for our own conduct. I'm not here to grow someone else's church. I'm here to help our church. I'm here to pastor our people. And if people aren't a part of that, that's fine. I'm not gonna look to the left or right. My growth potential is not wrapped up in them. I wanna show you this picture real quick. I love this picture. How many of y'all like Michael Phelps? Come on, somebody. 
I remember watching him in an apartment building one time whenever you had your apartment by Waffle House right there. And it was the race where it was like a relay and we won from like a finger like tip length. I mean, it was crazy. We came back from behind and I remember like screaming like I just won the race in there. And then all of a sudden I stopped and I could hear everyone else celebrating in the apartments around me. It was awesome. But it was Michael Phelps. This is his uh, his rival over here. And they had been going back and forth on the Olympics, uh, winning the breaststroke. And uh, they were going back and forth. And this year, Michael Phelps came from behind. And all of a sudden he started to pass his rival. Now, what is the rival doing? He's looking over at Michael Phelps, trying to worry about what he's doing. What's Michael Phelps doing? He's looking ahead. He's staying in his lane. Here's the deal, guys. We're going to be focused on what God's called us to do. I don't want to get distracted. I don't want to be looking in the lane next to me and seeing, I'm not going to get into the comparison trap. I want to do what God's called us to do. I want to, I want to pastor you guys. I, I, I want to love, I want to do what God's called me to do. I don't want to look in the lane next to me. And that's what our church is all about. So the first truth, it's God's will for churches to grow. And number two is our growth potential is different than theirs. Number three, we can be better. There's always room for improvement. We can be better at sharing the gospel. We can be better at inviting our friends. We can be better at making ourselves available to serve. We can always be better. We can adjust things. Listen, I, I wanna tell you, the methods are always gonna change here, but the message is never gonna change. Here's how I'll say it. We're gonna marry the mission, but we're gonna date the methods. What God's put us here to do, we're gonna marry that, but we're gonna date the methods. We're gonna change the way we do stuff. You know what? If it ain't working, guess what? It's gotta go through a committee of about two people to go, all right, you wanna change that? Sounds great, let's go. And we can change stuff, and we will change stuff. We're gonna continue to try new stuff, why? Because as long as heaven and hell are realities, we gotta do what we can to reach these people. So we're married to that mission. Go and make disciples, great. That's never gonna change. How we do that is gonna change. We're gonna have to change the bait on the end of our hook. We're gonna have to go to a new spot. We're gonna have to figure it out, but we're gonna figure it out. We're gonna be married to the mission and we're gonna date the message. So here's the mission of Oasis Church. Y'all wanna hear it? Here's our mission. Four things. First one is this, and this is God's mission, by the way. We're taking this from the Bible. We're not making this up as we're going. Here's God's mission here's our mission. We want people to first know God. Come on, y'all say no God. Oh, all of you that have been here from the beginning are like, I've heard this a time or two. Well, you're gonna hear it again. Y'all get ready for it. No God, that's the first step in the mission. We want people to know God. And guess what? We've designed our Sunday morning services to have it as an experience so people can easily know God. Lost people can come in here. They're not gonna feel intimidated. They're gonna hear something encouraging in music. They're gonna hear an encouraging message and it's gonna boil down and we share the gospel almost every single week. Why? Because our mission is for people to come to know God. This church is not only for the people in this room. This is for the people that aren't here yet. So we're gonna share the gospel all the time. That is step one. Let me throw a stat at you real quick. This is on the screen. 82, this is according to Tom Rayner, who used to be the president of Lifeway. 82% of the unchurched are at least somewhat likely to attend church if invited. If you knew that you could buy that billion dollar lottery ticket a few weeks ago and you were 82% likely to win, would you buy a ticket? 
Everybody should be nodding their head yes, and everybody should be tithing on that winnings, okay? But daddy needs a new lawnmower. I'm joking. I'm j- I'm j- I do, but I'm joking. I'm joking. We could reach lost people, right? No, I'm joking. 82% of people would they at least like entertain the idea. They would be somewhat likely to come to church if someone were just to invite them. How many of you are willing to take that bet? Come on. I'm not, I'm not trying to trick anybody. Come on. Yeah, 82% chance they would come with you and get saved and their marriage would be different and their, their kids would be different, their family tree would be different, the addictions in their life could be broken. 82% chance they could come to church and then when they came to church, they could meet Jesus. I'm taking that bet all day long. Here's the problem. Next quote. Only 2% of church members invite an unchurched person to church. 98% of churchgoers never extend an invitation in a given year. The Bible has a verse for this. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 98% of churchgoers in a calendar year will never invite an unchurched person to church. That is insane. I think that percentage is a little lower here, right? Like I think a lot of us invite people to church, but here's what I'm asking. Go in harder. Well, what if they say no? Who cares? How many times have you invited someone to go to lunch with you and you're like, I can't today? That's not humiliating. You just invite them again and say, hey, you want to come with me to, to this thing? Yeah, sure. But we have to be willing to, to invite people here. When they come here, they're going to hear about Jesus. I can guarantee you that. And they can have their lives changed. That's step one in our mission is for people to come to know God. The second step is this. We want people to find freedom. Steph talked about that a second ago. Freedom happens always in the context of relationships. Here's what it says in James chapter five. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be, what's that word? Healed. How many people do you know that they might have a relationship with Jesus, but they are not walking around healed? Come on, somebody, if you're like me, that's exactly how you are. You have yesterdays that need to be settled in your life. Your life's not been perfect. It might be hard. You may have had some abuse going on. And guess what? The Bible says when we can bring that stuff to life, we can find healing. Why? Your forgiveness happens between your your relationship with Jesus and, and you. But your freedom and your healing happens in context of relationships between me and you. Like you have to share. That's how you're going to be healed. There were some things I struggled with for years that until I told someone about it, I'd never found freedom. I'd never found healing in it. But when you bring it into light, it loses its power. And so we want people to find freedom. Well, what does that mean? Well, we've designed our small groups to be a place where you can share and you can have a safe place to bring these things up. And you're not going to be met with judgment. You're going to be met with someone going, me too. Man, I struggle with that same thing. Our men's group last year, my gosh, if you missed our men's group last year, you gotta come to it this year. We went through a book and it was powerful. And there were a few weeks that we talked about some things in there and all of a sudden someone shared and then someone was like, man, I've dealt with that too. Man, me too. And all of a sudden, we've all started to find healing in our lives. I want that for you. I want that for these people that are walking around right now. They don't have that. But we have to be a place where people can come find that. And we gotta bring them here, why? So that they can know Jesus. I don't care about how big our church is in the sense of numbers, but I do care about these people. And our church can be a church where they can find this stuff. 
oh my goodness, I love that. So the second step is find freedom. Our third step in our mission is discover your purpose. Once you find God and you settle your yesterdays and you start living free, we want you to discover why you're here. Why did God put you on earth? God put you on earth for a purpose. He gave you giftings. He gave you your personality. He gave you your sphere of influence. And no one else on earth has that but you. There's nothing better than leaving, living in your sweet spot. People will tell you that the most satisfied people on earth, that, that they, they're the people that live beyond themselves. They serve others. They, they know what their purpose is. And the last thing is this. We discover our purpose so we can make a difference. We can make a difference. Your life, every person on planet earth, I don't care if you're a Christ follower or not, you want your life to matter. You want your life to matter. You want to do something that matters. And let me tell you right now, you can find that here. You can do something that matters. There's nothing better than inviting someone to church and them coming to know Jesus. There's nothing better than leading somebody to Jesus at your work. There's nothing better. There's not a difference you can make that's bigger than that. There's nothing better than showing up and serving and seeing that you're a part of something that's bigger than yourself. There's nothing better than that. All of us, God put that inside of you. He wants you to make a difference. And he wants you, that's our mission. We want people to know God. We want people to find freedom. We want people to discover their purpose so that they can make a difference. And we wanna keep doing that over and over and over and over and over and over again. Why? Because as long as heaven and hell are realities, what we do really matters. How fruitful fruitful we are determines how full heaven and hell are. And so I wanna be going hard. Why? Because it matters. Your neighbor matters. Your husband matters. Your friends matter. Your family matters. Your kids matter. And we wanna be a part of a church that has this culture of going, hey, you gotta come with me. Man, you don't understand, like God's changed my life and he can change your life too. God can make your marriage better. That's what we need people doing that every day. God, man, your marriage can be better. And I'm telling you, uh, this place can look different. So here's one thing that, that we're doing. We're gonna do two of these a year. We'll do one in the fall, one in the winter uh, after school starts back in January. But we're gonna do something called our fall kickoff. And y'all saw us post about this this week on Facebook, and we're planning it tonight, actually. A group of us are going to be planning kind of what we're doing. Here's what fall kickoff is. It's an excuse for you to invite people to church, period. Now, uh, there's a lot of ideas. We want to maybe do like a food truck outside where we pay for all the food, and people can come, get some good food. Might do like a balloon artist for the kids or something special. There's something else going on here that day where it's easy for you to go, hey, come to church with me. The, your kids are going to love it. They got this going on, that going on. We'll tell you all that stuff once we decide it all. But here's the deal. All this is, is an excuse for you to invite someone to church. And guess what? That message that week is going to be all evangelistic. It's gonna, and I've already preached this message. It's, it is a great message. It'll hit everybody in the room. It's a take on the prodigal son. I'm really, I could preach it right now, but we're one minute over, all right? So I won't do that to you, but it's it's all designed. I'm, I'm, I'm unashamed about this. It is all designed to get people in the room and for them to come to know Jesus. Wasn't that a little gimmicky? Yes, but guess what? Heaven and hell are real and we're gonna do something about it. So I need your help. 
All right, we need your help to get people here. Invite your neighbors. Invite your, your friends that have kids. Invite the people at the gym. Invite people and act like we're launching again. That's kind of what our idea is. We're gonna, we're gonna launch two times a year, all right? We're, this is one of the times. We're gonna sit and we're gonna invite people. They're gonna come and you're gonna see the people you invite come to know Jesus. I'm telling you right now, it's gonna happen. But we gotta get uncomfortable. We gotta get out of this consumer. Well, what if they sit in my chair? Who cares? Find another one, all right? Listen, we, we gotta get out of this comfortability zone and this consumerism zone, and we gotta get after it. Man, it, it matters. So, will y'all partner with us and help us make fall kickoff the best service we've ever had? Come on, will y'all help us do that? I wanna hear you. Come on, will y'all help us? There we go. A few people will help us. It's all right, Jesus did it with 12, all right? We can do it with a few. But hey, partner with us and let's make this fall kickoff something awesome where we can see a ton of people come to know Jesus, all right? Let's pray together. God, we love you. I thank you that you did everything in your power to save us. And I pray you would help us do everything in our power to help reach the people in our region, God. That is your mission. God, that we would make disciples, that we would fish for men, that we would be fruitful. God, that we, would, that we would do what it takes to grow. And so God, I pray you would help us. I know today is a little different, a little more challenging than normal. But God, I just, I feel, I know what you're up to. Something is happening in our church. And I'm excited for it, God. I pray, I pray that on September the 11th, when we have our fall kickoff, I pray for 20 people to say yes to Jesus. I pray every person that doesn't have a relationship with you that shows up that day leaves in a relationship with you. And I pray that their life changes. And I pray they get plugged into a church. God, I hope it's our church. And if it's not, I hope they get plugged in somewhere else. I pray that we all walk out of here today a little bit more motivated, God, to just uh, invite, to, to share our faith, to be that light. I pray you would help us with that because it's hard. It's hard to be uncomfortable. So God, would you just help us? We love you so much. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on, give God a hand in this place. Man, God, we love you. Thank you. I love church. Hey, I love you guys, okay? We're, all, we're doing great. I'm not worried about you guys. I'm not, not, like I said, this wasn't passive aggressive. I just, Holy Spirit said talk on that. And so we talked on that. That's what we're gonna do. So I love you guys. I'm proud of you guys. We don't say it enough. If you're an OG, uh, even if you're not an OG o- Oasis person, if you're a person that was here from Centerpoint Days, come on, raise your hand. I wanna honor you for a second because a lot of these people are still the people that show up early and they get stuff ready. They are bought in, they're all in. And I just wanna honor you. Y'all give them a hand. They, y'all don't understand how much they do. I'm so grateful. I Listen, I know it's hard work. I know we're tired. I, trust me, ain't nobody more tired than Steph and I. We're, I get it. But do not grow weary in doing what is good. That was our mantra last year. What's the Bible? This is Galatians 6 9. Don't grow weary in doing what is good. Why? Because at the right time, you'll reap a harvest of blessing. And I think we're starting to see some sprouts, guys. I think we're starting to reap a little harvest and I'm excited about it, but it is hard work. And so I wanna honor your hard work. Thank you. 
I appreciate you guys. If you serve, if you give, my gosh, thank you. We could not do it without you. If you want to partner with us today in giving, you can do that in the envelope, drop it in the back with Brother Kevin. I think he's back there. And uh, you can drop it in the bucket right there, or you can give online. And that would be a huge help to us. Man, if you don't tithe, whew, there's nothing like tithing. I'm telling you right now, God will do miracles in your life when you start tithing. Because there have been times where we're like, I, we can't tithe. You know, like, I, we don't, we can't afford to tithe in, in years past. And now I'm like, I can't afford not to tithe. Like, it's just God does something special uh, when we put him first in our finances. But hey, we love you guys so much. I pray you guys have the best week. We'll see you next week. Pastor Stephanie's going to bring the heat next week. We're going to talk about not our core values, but what do you value? And I'm super excited about that. We'll see you guys next week at 10 o'clock. Y'all have a great week.